0: Hello and welcome to the Games Are Fun podcast. My name is Luke Armstrong and I'm your host. Joining me this week are three fantastic individuals. First off, we have my good friend Adam Beagle. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going all right. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Glad to uh, that we're, we're making an episode this week after <laughs> several weeks of just kind of like que- question marks. So glad right. to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have another Beagle brother joining us the king himself lord the king s dot steven how's it going man
1: Uh, it's going really well this week is flying by i can't believe it's thursday night already at time of recording and um it's been a ton of fun i uh i'm just glad to be
0: back after having a week off last week feed up harassing you guys in chat it was a good time (laughs) Yeah, we had to give uh, old Steven a, a timeout on the FF14 free trial talk. So. <laughs> Banned. Banned from the own yeah. podcast. <laughs> if you missed that, it was a good time. But And then, of course, returning to the Games Are Fun podcast this week. He joined us last week. We had such a great time talking about Indie World. The one and only Nishan. Nishan, welcome back to the show. How the hell are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm great. Thanks for having me back. Uh, hopefully, I don't uh, disappoint you more again this week like I did last week. <laughs>
0: Nishan, you can't disappoint us, man. You And on, honestly, you can't disappoint anyone with that shirt you got on there. Because for audio I'm, listeners, you're missing out on Nishan's cool dude shirt. He He's ready for summer.
2: <laughs> hashtag cool dude, guys. Let's get trending.
0: <laughs> yes, let's do it. All right. So if you caught last week's episode, you would know that we had a plan to talk about Indie World, and then we planned on talking about our gaming turn-ons and turn-offs. And we had so much fun talking about Indie World and talking about all the great indies that were shown off at that presentation that, you know, we didn't have time to get to our this topic. So we wanted to make it its own episode. We pushed it to this week. And on the plus side, we also have Steven joining us um, so he can give his Uh, in voice rather than just hanging in the chat which would have been the case last week so that's really great Um, so that's what's going to be the show this week we're going to give our gaming turn-ons turn-offs Adam's going to kind of give more details on what that looks like when we get to it but um, it's pretty self-explanatory Before we get to this show, we wanted to remind you that Games Are Fun is a weekly video game podcast. Each week, Adam, Steven, and myself join together to talk about video game news, trending industry topics, and reviews on recent game releases. The podcast is available on all major podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search for Games Are Fun podcast on any of the podcast platforms out there and it should pop up. Also, this episode of the Games Are Fun podcast is being streamed live over on twitch.tv slash gamesarefunpodcast and we stream all our episodes now over on twitch.tv so make sure you're tuning in every Thursday 6.30pm Mountain Standard Time that's when we're usually going live on Twitch so yeah if you're listening on audio services that's great but if you want to have a fun time come out hang, in, hang with chat make sure you come out to our live shows but you know, if you can't make it live, we still have options for you. You want to watch the video version? All our streams are archived over on our YouTube channel. So head over to that. Uh, You can find our YouTube channel in our show notes, as well as just searching Games Are Fun Podcasts in YouTube. We should show up. We don't have a custom URL link yet on our YouTube channel. So it would be much appreciated. If you could go over to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell. So, you know, when we're posting new videos over there and that will really help us out because, you know, we don't necessarily have the time for all these great projects and plans that we have kind of on the go for our YouTube channel. But at some point it's going to be more than just stream archives. You know, we're going to get some more short form content. It's just a matter of time. So make sure you're subscribed over there right now so that um, you can catch all the new uploads. All right. So a couple things for housekeeping before we move on to our big topic. And the first thing I wanted to mention is that Steven has a special announcement to share. And it's in regards to a 12 hour charity stream that he's going to be doing. So Steven, why don't you take it away and tell us all about that? And Steven, you are muted pro pro
1: streamer. <laughs> Remember I'm a pro streamer as I get into this. It's true. Uh May May 7th, Friday May 7th, um I'll be doing a 12-hour charity stream uh in support of Stack Up, which is a really great uh 50, 501c3 military charity. Uh that basically what they do is they support active and veteran service members uh, from the US and allied nations uh by getting them things like supply crates and Um, And support through volunteers and things like that uh, to veteran communities Uh, and basically are promoting positive mental health and suicide prevention through gaming and geek geek culture. now, me as a veteran myself as well as a gamer uh gaming was a big part of my kind of reacclimation whenever i got back from overseas and really helped me connect with my friends again uh helped out with my mental health and finding a healthy coping coping mechanism through gaming as well and that's kind of what they do also uh so on may 7th as i mentioned it's going to be a 12-hour stream where i'm going to be raising money for this incredible organization um, and it's going to be Final Fantasy 14 focused, but we're going to have a ton of fun. There's going to be um, a, a glamour contest or a, basically a dress-up contest. We've got an artist that's on call right now to do a commissioned artwork piece for the first place winner of that contest, as well as the second place will get a sketch of their character and the sketches that uh, this artist produces Um it uh, could be a first prize in of themselves. We're also going to do a foot race. I'm going to put the put some folks through a foot race across the Orzia um, and watch them, you know, uh, lament as they run on foot from one end of the world to the other. Um, we've got some giveaways plans as well as some special donation incentives to get us to do some pretty wacky meme content for Final Fantasy 14 as well. And um, if you get a chance to uh, 9 a.m. Eastern time until 9 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be live would love to have you drop by uh, and say hi. Um, it, it's it's just bound to be a really great time. Very excited for it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's a great thing that you're doing, Stephen, raising money for a great organization. And I can't wait to catch that 12-hour stream. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, May 7th, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Twitch.tv slash Um. All right. Uh, next point that... I wanted to make in housekeeping is a kind of a personal plug. <laughs> uh, next Saturday at 7 PM Mountain Mount standard time, I'm going to be hosting a retro PC game night on twitch.tv slash Luke the llama. Uh, so I'm going to be streaming a little longer than I normally do, probably four to five hours. And I'm going to start earlier. So those East coasters uh, can maybe tune in too. And uh, I'm going to play just a, a, you know, variety of old retro PC games, uh, from the 90s up to like early 2000s of kind of being pretty loose with the term retro here so um, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun and that's going to be next saturday i don't even have the date of what next saturday is uh let me see <laughs> the first the first so may 1st thank you steven mm-hmm. twitch.tv slash the kulama um adam do you got you got something going on this sunday for a stream you're gonna be tasting wine gums or something like that (laughs) yeah
3: so the gauntlet was thrown in our games are fun discord by none other than mr blp entertainment so fancy um i forget how the topic even came up but he definitively said that wine gums something that i don't think exists in the states um uh, he claims that they're better than gummy bears. Claims that they're better than jelly bellies. Basically, they're they're the ultimate the ultimate candy. So, <laughs> I had him and Luke. You said you said it's old people candy though. Is that right? I mean, it's not like
0: like weird hard candy that you find at like an at your grandma's house or something like that. But yeah. I would put it in the category of candy that old people eat because <laughs> okay. it's not it's not it's not tasty and as some of the other candies out there like gummy bears that are truly a delight to eat
3: so i i place an order for some they they arrived this week i did a little uh just kind of silly un unpackaging or unboxing of it on stream tuesday evening and yeah so it's sunday 1 p.m eastern the real real time zone Uh, I'll be doing a stream. I'm going to start off with this tasting of of wine gums. I'm going to compare it against gummy bears. I don't have jelly bellies because I I don't really like jelly bellies, but I do have Starburst jelly beans, which are the king of jelly beans. And I also want to get what – when I first did a Google search for wine gums, the first picture that came up looked a lot like something we have here in the States called Juji Fruits, which I think also exists in Canada. Yeah, Is that does. Right? Yeah. So it looked like Juji Fruits, which I don't care for. So I just I'm going to get some anyway just to kind of compare and see if it really does. Like if that's the equivalent, like U.S. candy. And I'm just going to I'm going to taste them and I'm going to declare a winner. Um. But, yeah, so I have I have gummy bears. I got the wine gums. I just need to pick up um, the Juji Fruits and I have the Jelly Beans. So it's going to be a sweet treat showdown. And then after that, I'm going to go into my run through of Bloodborne. So Bloodborne, I haven't played since it released back. What was it? Twenty twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. I can't remember when, but it was the first game that I watched a stream of on Twitch It was the first game that I streamed on Twitch. So I've been kind of on and off streaming for, like, basically since the launch of Bloodborne, whatever year that was. And I had a uh, subscriber goal on my channel, which was met, thanks to uh, some generosity in in the uh, community. Thank you all so much for uh, making that happen. I'm, I'm terrified to play it because it's been years since I played. I used to be actually quite good at the game to where I wouldn't have, like, not that I was speedrunning it, but I wouldn't have batted an eye at doing a playthrough of it. I would have been like, oh, "Yeah, this will be fun." uh But I'm terrified. It's been so long. I don't know if I have any <laughs> skill at that game anymore. It could end up being a disaster. We'll see. But it is a great game, so I'm sure it'll be fun either way.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that this Sunday, everyone. Twitch.tv/slash AdamPalooza85.
3: Yep. all right p, uh one or yeah 1 30 p.m eastern i think i said one it'll probably be closer to one thirty. so perfect
0: all right let's get on with our topic of the show which is gaming turn-ons and turn-offs so adam why don't you uh why don't you take it from here
3: sure yeah so this idea kind of came to me i i think i mentioned i i might have talked about this a little bit last episode when we didn't quite get to it but the idea came to me I was playing a game I don't even remember which game it was at this point because I would love to have it in in the list here that I've generated but I'm like this is just such a turnoff for me I don't even really want to continue playing this game and it got me thinking like what what things in games would kind of turn me off or make me not want to continue playing or go back to it versus what things would potentially sell me on a game so maybe maybe a game that I wasn't interested that I'm that I saw a specific mechanic of and was like oh I, maybe I could get into this or maybe a game that I was interested in but then something shows up and I'm like oh I really don't like this I don't think I want to play this anymore so I thought this could be a really fun episode idea for us to go through and talk about the things that we like and dislike about games things that uh, maybe would take a game that we're not interested in and turn it into something that we end up buying or maybe a game that we were sold on and it's a day one purchase and then we start playing it and it's like, okay, this game really isn't for me. So that's sort of where the idea came from. And we've been, we've been rolling around on this for months now um, since potentially late last year, late 2020 and then early 2021. And uh, yeah, just it, it hasn't happened yet. And we tried last week and then we were overrun <laughs> with uh, glorious indie titles and just we didn't want to shoehorn it into that episode, so now it gets to be its its very own dedicated episode. so here we are awesome, okay, and we already have a shout out for what I'm guessing is a turn off <laughs> <laughs> I would assume from so. from <laughs> Taylor the savior in chat we have escort missions that is a great again, assuming it's a turn off because I mean if you like escort missions you are you are one in a million, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah, I guess anyway, you know, I I figure maybe we'll start with, um, I don't know, let's, let's start with the turnoff. Let's, let's see if there's anything spicy in there with the turnoffs. So I guess, uh, Luke, you want to give us your, your first turnoff?
0: Sure. And honestly, I'm just going to be echoing Taylor because he already got my number one and that is escort missions, escort missions. You know, are kind of notorious for being a a thing in video games that no one really likes because you have basically dead weight that you're responsible for now and usually that dead weight doesn't have any way of defending themselves. Now, over the years, I will say, some of these escort missions have gone a little bit better, right? We have people that can kind of do their own thing, right? You look at God of War, you have Atreus. Atreus is up there, you know, uh messing messing out messing with the enemies and you don't really have to worry about atreus but if we look back to a game like resident evil 4 one that i freshly played and chat if you knew, or listeners you came in my streams you know exactly the name i'm going to point out and that is ashley and she is the worst thing to ever happen to resident evil i'll just say that um yeah i mean like escort escorting missions they're a pain right like it can really bog down a game, especially when you're hitting a point in the game that you're, you're hitting your tread, you're feeling good about it. And it just slows everything to a screeching halt when you have to do an escort mission. Cause it's like, you know, that, that pace you were really enjoying. Well, guess what? We're totally removing that from you and now giving you different priorities. And yeah, it's just, I think the reason why I'm turned off to is the obvious reasons, but, um, I just don't think there's too many out there that uh, that it just seems like a pointless thing to throw in to kind of make it work for the story, right? They, we need this character to somehow get over to this other place or we need this character. They're integral to the plot. Let's bring them in. But most of the time it's just, it's just, it, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. So unless it's like a game where it makes sense, like God of War, where you are doing a quest or a mission as a couple and you have somebody that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, uh, or if if we have to escort somebody, just give them a gun or just give them that, that opportunity to, to kill, kill or defend themselves. Right. So I don't know about you guys, but like, do what are, can we even think of fun escort missions?
3: Yes, there is. Well, missions, no. Games with it, yes. So, I sure. mean, The Last of Us, I think, is an easy, like, that is the, the absolute, like, exception to the rule, right? Correct. And God of War was another one, like you mentioned. I think that was a solid one, too. Um, but The Last of Us, Ellie, like, she's totally, like, self-reliant. You don't have to worry. Like, the game is, in the whole game's an escort mission, but you don't have to protect her. Like, she doesn't, like, it's not, oh, if Ellie takes so much damage, then you lose and it's game over. It's, like, you just kind of do your own thing. She's there, and she's, you know, she's out of harm's way, or she's doing Ellie things, or she's, you know. It's just it's just one less thing you have to worry about, even though the basis of the game is you are escorting her across the country. So, I think it did a really great job. Uh, as far as just missions within games, I... I I don't know I can't think of one off the top of my head but yeah they're I'm sure few and very very far between
0: yeah yeah and I definitely like what was it there was um on oh, there was a lot, last gen there was a game on 360 that I played that um you know what I can't even think of the name so I'm not even gonna bother plugging it but yeah, I, I just I could do away with them. I don't think they make sense anymore in this day and age. So, that's why they're like number 1 big turn turn off for me.
2: And uh, BLP entertainment, the classy boy himself uh, shouting out Iko in the chat, mm. which you know, I think team Iko is pretty good at at like um escort mission based games with with I, with um Iko and then uh, The Last Guardian. Mm-hmm. Which, if if you think about it, you're just kind of making a second player AI do your work for you, and if if the whole game is based around that concept, I think it works out. But just like regular games, dropping in an escort mission, like uh, Breath of the Wild has an escort mission where like you have to you have to make a Goron follow you up Death Mountain so you can launch him like a cannonball and. Honestly, it's hard enough like avoiding guardians and when you're by yourself and now you have to have this giant man baby rock like you whistling at him like a dog to stop. It's just like you said earlier, just the the fun you're having, the the pace you're setting uh, comes to a grinding halt. All
3: right, Uh, Stephen, you want to give us yours? So for my
1: for my probably biggest gaming turnoff and, and with me being a lot into anything
3: that's not Final Fantasy or No Man's Sky
1: um <laughs> well I I was just going to go as a overreaching kind of um any sort of multiplayer game right um is is toxic community can really shut me off from a game um you know the and and this this misconception of mine about WoW is going to be one of the things that kind of um has changed over time getting to know some WoW players. So I always thought like that WoW had a very toxic community, but I'm starting to learn that there's actually, you know, those out there that aren't. But whenever you have folks that are in the game, and, and what I mean by this, I don't mean like, the you know, in a shooter, somebody just kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I totally blew you away, noob, and they run off and they keep on playing the game. It's the ones that, that kind of do an elitist attitude over top of you, the ones who want to gatekeep content from you because one reason or another or you or you accidentally perish in some mechanic and they automatically just want to up and quit whatever you're doing at that time those are the ones that i'm talking about they are really what i consider the toxic uh version of a community and i think for any game whenever it comes to comes to that thing that's one thing that can take me out of a game very quickly um just because I I hate seeing it. I hate uh, for me I can I can deal with it and I can and I can power through, but I i hate to see other people move away from a great game because of something like that going on within within a game's community. So that's probably my biggest one. It's the best one that I can come up with, because again, I do a lot of these multiplayer things uh more recently. You know, a lot of Final Fantasy 14 stuff. No Man's Sky has a multiplayer uh community. So it's 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 in it's within those communities that you can find um If you can find a really great, uh, supportive, understanding, uh, patient community, you've got a game that I'm going to stick with. But if you've got one that's going to put in an elitist attitude, gatekeep you from completing things, not teach you how to play a game that you may be new to, that's the kind of thing that's going to make me step away from it. Easy.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll agree with Steven. That was near the top of my list for Turnoff 2s, is like the the ultra-competitive slash toxic communities that some games have because uh for example one of my favorite games is super smash brothers but that community like the the ones that are really good at that game near the top of like most toxic just kind of they don't they don't let you enjoy the game if you're like just a casual player
3: yeah that's a yeah that's a good mention there yeah i have seen a lot of toxicity in that community which is um which is really sad to see because it's such a fun game and it's supposed to be you know accessible for for everybody and to you know see that kind of toxicity within that community is pretty rough Yeah, it's not great so uh nishan did you have uh one that you wanted to mention
2: um probably uh it's not it's not like a huge turnoff for me, but a game that I always seem to avoid are games that have like a lot of resource management in them. So a lot of those Sim Cities or Sim roller coasters or or even um games like Dota or where you're just you're just in charge of all these factions and different different groups and you have to like juggle 13 different things at once and it's always like some sort of high pressure situation. And, you know, the, the job I have as like a professional chef, I'm just juggling 13 things a day, 10 hours a day anyway. So when I get home, I don't want to do that again for, for my enjoyment purposes. So yeah, any, any game where, where they're making you keep track of multiple things at a time with, with high stakes quote unquote going on. I, I, it just turns me off.
1: It's funny because I kind of go in the opposite direction with that. Like for my RTS games that I like to play or even like a turn-based strategy, like a, like a Stellaris or civilization. um, I find that if I'm constrained by too little, in those games. Sim City, the most recent SimCity that they came out with, where they they lock you into that one plot, you don't have anything else to be able to build into. Um, that shut me down off that game because as soon as Cities came came around into my library, completely took over. So it gave me more of everything that SimCity had in it and everything like that. So before I do move on, um, you know, Twitch chat has a great some great comments here on this on this topic. Uh uh back to the community if you guys don't mind if I get into them. Um, Taylor the savior. As long as, as a longtime WoW player, the community definitely can be a really hit or miss. Been lucky to play with a lot of really cool non-toxic guilds, but the game at large is questionable. That's not the first time I've heard that. Uh Cloda Lunaria, uh, main factor why uh, she left the game is because of the community. So it's one of those things that it, you know, while I've met a couple people out there uh, within the WoW community, it's one of those things that definitely, definitely builds into it. And then this an- another important one from Cloda. Uh, for me being a woman in gaming, toxic masculinity in games sucks for me to the point where I simply won't play Overwatch anymore competitively. So again, it's another one of those like those gatekeeping toxic attitudes that prevent somebody from playing a game. Um but yeah, the onto your point with the um resource management, give me more. The more is it in those type of games, I'm kinda on the opposite side of the spectrum with you on that one, Nishan. But that is a good point. It's completely
2: understandable. Yeah, you you can keep them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so just the piawan i just want to mention like it, it it does suck to to hear that from from chloe um and and just from all women so and it's not just in games right it can be anywhere like it can be on twitch like i see so many times on twitch where uh you know a, a woman who's just trying to do their do their best sometimes they're they're already successful or they're trying to be successful at it And there's so much gatekeeping by men that is keeping them from hitting another level because they can't just accept that women can be gamers too, where they can be, you know, they can do IRL or just chatting or whatever. And it's, it's very frustrating to see. And it's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of a shock because you feel like we, as a race, as a whole, we've seen a lot of progression over the last, you know, 20, 15 years or whatever. And to see things like this happening, it, it makes you think: Have we really progressed? Or it makes me think: Have we really progressed as much as I thought we have been? And it's not just women; it's people of color; it's you know marginalized, uh, you know marginalized groups of people that are, in some cases, being just completely targeted. And it makes someone to stop streaming. It makes someone to stop gaming. We see from Chloe; it makes people quit games altogether. And it's really frustrating to see. Um, so hopefully that's a hurdle that we can get over at some point. You know, people just, and if that's, you know, if if you're a bad person and you can't respect someone that's on Twitch or gaming because of their gender or race or, you know, whatever, go, go do something else. Like don't be hateful to that person or that community. Like just go be a bad person somewhere else and let this person thrive. So,
2: and I know, as four straight white males, we probably like we're, we're using our privilege privilege right now to talk about it. But I think, yeah, like mm-hmm. just let people have fun. Don't like if somebody enjoys something who, who cares if they're, they're a female, if they're, you know, LGTBQ or, or person of color, just, you know, let people enjoy what they want. And, and as us, like, as I mentioned before is like, straight white males uh i know you three all of your streams are always you know very welcoming very safe space for everybody and and i think we can use our platform to to you know be a welcoming community to everybody that that feels like that we're we want to be the the norm in gaming where most people when you say oh gaming they think of you know the toxic call of duty player or the or the toxic smash brothers community. But I mean, we, we can use our platform as a force of change. And I mean, that, that might be the biggest turnoff for a lot of people for gaming is, is the, the stereotype that, you know, we're all just a bunch of degenerates.
3: Yeah. And it's a, and it's so, I don't know. It it feels so bad being someone with like a small platform feeling like having such a small voice that, you know, I can't as myself make a difference, but like, as we're having here, this discussion, if more people have these discussions and I know there are people with, with large platforms that have spoken out against that too. And, you know, I think they're just, there can never be enough is, is, is all I'm saying. So, um, make your, make your voices heard, put an end to it. I think, uh, Chloe put it perfectly if
0: I won't say it in real life, I won't say it on online either. And that's exactly it. It's really easy to hide behind a computer screen, be that keyboard warrior. But just remember that in this day and age, and we're seeing it happen, that just because you're online doesn't mean that uh, you can't pay the consequence, right? You're There's not so much, uh, you know, um, there, there's ways that People And I'm, I'm not saying this this now that I'm saying this out loud. It sounds like we'll find you and we will destroy your lives. But, you know. He's he, like Liam Neeson uh, and will. taken over here. Yeah, him. I will find you. a particular you. set of skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is it's happening, right? We see it in, in this day and age where everything in our lives is pretty much out there for everyone to see. And just because you're, you're hand, hiding behind a handle doesn't mean that um, you're, you're, you're hiding forever and know that you're doing a lot of damage to somebody and they don't deserve that. So, um, yeah, let's just let's let's try to do our part, um, you know, be better, right? Be better people and and speak up when we see those those moments where something someone is um, being the victim of some of that toxicity that we've been talking about here
3: right on yep let's keep the conversation going everybody if you're listening you have a platform you have a voice make sure that uh you get it out there you know we need we need better better community we need better people all around so Um, all right so uh i guess Going going forward, it feels so weird going from such a a heavy topic like that back into okay. So in gaming, there's not a great segue for that. There really is. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, just I guess for my first turn off, I'm gonna go with stealth. I'm I'm not a stealth gamer. Um, I I don't stealth games. You know, everyone really loves those. uh, What what are the siphon filter? I think it is. Siphon filter, splinter cell. Splinter cell, yeah. Splinter cell was the one I was thinking of. But yeah, siphon filter, and then you know, um, there's just so many of them that maybe look interesting, but I just can't play because I don't like stealth games. Like, I I just want to just run in. I want to. I want the combat. I want the action. So just kind of sneaking around and and not getting to do anything for for me, what I would consider fun. I just, I don't like stealth games. Now, there are exceptions to that. Uh, I really like Ghost of Tsushima, and I really leaned into the stealth of that game. I think Luke and Steven, you guys were, you went, you guys wanted to, or at least Luke, you went the samurai route. I never, if like stealth, stealth is
0: optional, I'm like, see ya.
1: <laughs> yep, I, I was yeah. completely... <laughs> i was i was so and and maybe this this can segue into my next one but with ghost of tsushima uh that game pretty much nailed my um opinion to the wall on it whenever it shoehorned me into a stealth mission and i was so angry because i wanted to go to samurai route um and as the story progresses it kind of keeps you in that all oh, you this whole you're this whole you know ghost and you're half ninja no, like I wanted to be a samurai. That's why I got this game. And it's like, here's all this ninja crap that we're gonna throw at you. And oh, by the way, here's stealth mechanics. It's like, no, man, when's a samurai stealthing around?
2: <laughs> Never. Don't
3: wanna. Well, that's the that's the that's the whole point of the game, though. It's that duality, it's that we're taking someone that only knows this one, this code of mm-hmm. honor, and it's giving them this different side. It's it's sort of like it's like Bruce Wayne turning into Batman, right? You got to embrace that dark side to get things done. Sometimes you got to go vigilante to get things done sometimes. And uh, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. I liked the, uh, you know, the abilities or the, or the tools that you get. Um, I I thought it was just a lot of fun going through stealth. Uh, The last of us part two was another one. I didn't hate the stealth on. Um, They did a pretty good job making that fun for the amount of sort of creeping around that you have to do. Uh, I I generally enjoyed that. As the game got later in, uh, and I just wanted to get to the story, I started ignoring that a little bit, and I just tried to run and gun as much as possible. But for the most part, I did kind of like the stealth in in that game. I will say two games that I would like to play, but I just couldn't because the stealth really turned me off. And I think they kind of have this concept of, well, you can be stealthy or you can be, you know, a little bit more aggressive. And I didn't really find that in these games, which is uh, Dishonored and um, Deus Ex, which are two games that I feel like they kind of, they're like, you could do either or. But I felt like it was really like you had to be stealthy in those games. Because if you just tried to go in straight combat, uh, you would get destroyed pretty quickly. So uh, those those two games felt a little inaccessible to me because I just couldn't handle the, the stealth of it. So... But yeah, that's that's mine uh, or my first one.
2: You you name dropped somebody earlier there, uh, Batman Bruce Wayne. I think the the Arkham games do a really good job. They do of it that, really well too Absolutely. of that balance of of stealth sections and mm-hmm. action sections. And Very like, true. I mean, I think that's that's why they're universally loved because you actually feel like Batman. Like you can scare people in the dark, or you can just drop down and break all their kneecaps.
3: Yep. Good, good, uh, solid mention there. Yep. All right. Uh, so do we want to go around the table with another turn off, or do we want to switch it up to turn on?
2: Uh, we want to go. Let's get steamy. Let's get turned on, guys. Let's do it. All
3: right.
0: Yep.
2: So Flip uh, that switch.
3: Luke, hit us with your turn on. What uh, what gets you hot and bothered?
0: All right. So, I think last, yeah, last episode I mentioned this, but. I want more games to support couch co-op because as someone who has a partner who plays video games and uh, also plays video games with me together, you realize really quick that the games that you can play that support couch co-op aren't as many as you you think there would be, right? A lot of these games nowadays support some sort of cooperative play, but a lot of them are online only. And... That's super unfortunate because um, I know that most people when they are playing multiplayer games, it is in an online capacity, but um, you know, there's still a lot of people out there that play games together. And while last year was like a year where we couldn't spend time together and all our gaming was done online, you know, there was lots of families stuck at home and I just wished I could pull up a, a bigger library of games that supported couch co-op. So um yeah, it's it's it, it really it really bugs me when it is a game, like I said, that has that cooperative play, but it is online only because it's like the infrastructure is there, but it's just not translating into a local experience. And I'm not a game dev- developer. I don't know all the challenges it takes to make something split screen. But that being said, I I don't think it's pro- it's obviously it's been done. Um, you look at Yosef Ferris, Brothers, uh, A Way Out, and now It Takes Two, games that are designed completely around cooperative play. Uh, so, yeah, there, there are people in the industry that are, I think, trying to get the ball rolling back on cooperative um, couch co-op. Because, yeah, ever since the, the age of online play and PSN and Xbox Live, I feel like games have really dwindled when it comes to to couch co-op i don't know about you guys do you guys uh ever play couch co-op games with your friends or significant others
2: well as as the world's number one nintendo stan i mean they've just been they spit out couch co-op multiplayers all Mm -hmm. the time um now is that because they they realize there's uh benefits in that or is it because their online servers are hot dog water so i mean but but yeah, I get I get what you're saying. I mean, like sitting down with two or three or four friends and and just having that split screen experience is is completely different than than the online voice chat experience.
1: It, uh, couch co op stuff will usually happen you know with me and the kids. Sometimes and anything that me and Alicia will sit down to play will usually be like a like a LAN party sort of sort of situation. So like Stardew Valley, we sit down. Of course, same sofa sitting and playing the same game, but it was more of a land thing than anything. But I mean, the kids will play Minecraft together. Uh, Terraria is another one, too. So like a lot of those ones will get some couch co-op going together with with each other. Um, but honestly, like nothing to the level that something like GoldenEye brought us back on the N64 or or anything like that. I haven't had a co- couch co-op experience like that for a very long time. It's been it's been a bit for me
0: yeah i yeah. think it kind of died at that that generation right xbox ps2 GameCube. sorry adam i didn't mean to cut you off there
3: no no you're good um, um yeah so i mean nintendo's really great at it right as nishan pointed out they they make some great couch co-op games but then you also look at it and i think they have this thing like okay we made this game how do we fit co-op into this and sometimes it's just really bad like you know, you have a Mario odyssey and it's like the second player is the cap. (laughs) It's so bad. It's so Mm -hmm. bad. Um, because someone's, you know, flinging the cap around and it's like, (laughs) you're trying to do like the movement tech with it. Like I need the cap to do this thing and they're off doing whatever. And it's just, it, it just doesn't work. And then with, uh, the Mario 3d world thing, Bowser's fury second player gets to be Bowser jr. It's not very exciting. It's not super helpful. Like, you don't. It doesn't feel like a real co-op experience. So I think they need to just stop shoehorning multiplayer in the games that don't need mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Because they have plenty of other games that do have perfectly good couch co-op or online co-op that like you don't need it to be in every game. But I mean, the ones where they do it right, I mean, it's it's great. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, there's just some where it's just like, all right, this didn't really need it, but uh, okay. <laughs> It's there if you want it yeah definitely so
0: yeah i i'm really hoping i don't know if it's been confirmed but the next game uh that i'm we are looking forward to play couch co-op is hopefully halo infinite and mm-hmm. that game traditionally has always had actually i don't know if five had a local couch co-op but all the other games definitely do and so yeah i'm looking mm-hmm. that's like the next game that i'm looking forward to but it's definitely A difficult thing to find nowadays so hopefully in the future you know we we have more games that support and like you said aren't throwing in multiplayer just for the sake of it if it needs to be a game that supports that kind of experience so
3: all right steven what turns you on
0: (laughs) so i think mine is
1: one of those ones that maybe slips under the radar for some folks and you kind of Whenever it's brought up, you're like, oh, yeah, that thing. And it is a game's soundtrack. Uh, the orchestration, that, that down-home music that you're listening to throughout your playthrough the game, not, playing, not having Spotify play over or anything like that, that one that you can just sit down and listen to just it, it, the, its own game music. Um, it is that thing that within a game can really suck me in emotionally to a game so a really good soundtrack on a video game is going to be one of those big turn-ons for me if it's got a good soundtrack to it there's a really good chance that it's going to keep me playing it because it's just going to it's going to make it so immersive whenever it comes to that sort of thing and um and by the way luke final fantasy 14 has a really great soundtrack and you can couch i was going to mute
0: him (laughs) i missed it (laughs)
1: but yeah your music your music in a game uh i think it just adds to um it just adds to it so much more it it gives it that cinematic experience and can really can really fill out the emotional response that you get from the game itself um it's just it's one of those things Mm -hmm. that like i said i just think it's kind of slept on a little bit um as a turn on for a game and i'll tell you it gets it gets my blood boiling i love a good soundtrack
3: yeah that's a really good call out there like I mean, especially being a a big fan of RPGs like RPG or yeah, the soundtrack of an RPG is like one of the core elements to those games. And it's, it can be very powerful. It can be, uh, it can create like nostalgia. Uh, You know, I, I know in in level grinders when we talk about the games we've been talking about uh, soundtracks have always been a thing that, you know, we keep coming back to and, and yeah, it, it's it creates environment it sets the tone of the game it it can provide emotional responses like you mentioned uh, soundtracks are extremely powerful uh that is a really great choice there i dig it how about you, Nishan? you're up um, what, get, what, get, what gets your beard all tingly
2: oh, lots of things um <laughs> i think i think i'm gonna I'm going to go for the easy choice, the one that a lot of people are probably screaming at us right now. Um, and that's an open world or or sandbox type game. A game where they just kind of give you, you free roam to do whatever you want, whether it's, it's go climbing mountains in Breath of the Wild or uh, stealing an old lady's Oldsmobile and jumping it off a bridge in Grand Theft Auto. Uh, and, you know, just gamers just want to have fun and just live out fantasies and really the like open world games give that to you. And I mean, sometimes it's in like real life settings again in grand theft auto, where it's like, if you want to be a sociopath for a day, you can be a sociopath and you're not going to jail forever. Or in fantasy games, uh, the witchers, I mean, there's a reason Skyrim, like nobody like Skyrim, everybody just keeps playing it, even though it's, what 15 years old at this point getting
0: there's it, no end It there's no end then, no one can yeah. no one has ever beat it <laughs> yeah.
2: and so i mean i think i think that's one we might all agree on is just the if a world is open and just gives you free reigns i think uh, we we all enjoy that sandbox feeling
3: yeah that's a good one like if it's if a, if an open world game is done right it can be a ton of fun and and you know, we're starting to get to a point where it's it's pretty common in games too. So you got to make it interesting, um, make it fun, make it engaging. But yeah, open worlds can, can be very immersive. You know, you, you don't have the loading screens, you don't have, um, you know, in some cases you don't have like any specific direction you need to go to, you just kind of get that freedom. Which is really great. So yeah, open world's very good choice. As long as it's done well. Um, I think yeah, that's that's a good that's a good turn on there. I actually had that on my list as well. So um
1: it's a double edged sword, you know me. Yeah, like I coined I coined the term Skyrim's because of Skyrim and its open world where um I didn't move at all through the plot of the story because the world the open world of Skyrim itself was more interesting to me than and going through the plot. Um, so it's it's very tricky. But on the other hand, we have a game like Horizon Zero Dawn that's open world, but the plot is like oh, it's so good. Everything's so intertwined with the main plot that the open world barely like it's it's great, it's interesting, it's great to be out in, but it all it also allows me to to be like, okay, let me just let me just move through the plot too, because the plot hooked me as much. It's one of those, like you said, Adam, we just gotta kinda make sure that it's a good balance of things. Um but it, it, I, I love open world stuff. I mean, hey, another mm-hmm. one of those meme mm-hmm. games for me. No Man's Sky is open galaxy, right? Um, it's just got to have a sort of um, constant sort of newness to it. Each time you go to a different place and keep you sucked into it. I'm, I love it. Great choice. Great choice.
3: Yeah, this one, like I said, it's it's in it's. I have it in my turn on list because open worlds are. You know, for the most part, or at least the ones that I experienced recently, have been really good. Uh, the Last of Us Part Two had a really nice open world section, and then they 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 gave it to you for a little bit, and then they took it away. Like it didn't show up again in the rest of the game, which was kind of an odd choice. But you know, um, the the part that they did give us that was a little bit more open or a little bit more sandboxy was great. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really interesting. Uh, it's a really interesting topic because I also have it on my turnoffs list. (laughs) So there's, um, so I'm, I'm just going to segue right into the, the the next turn round of turnoffs, um, which for me is, is open world as well. So it it was, it it seemed like a good segue for that. And this is kind of the opposite. There's some open worlds that are not fun or they're overcrowded. There's too many things to do. Think Ubisoft games, right? (laughs) they are yeah. open worlds. So there's always <laughs> way too much on there. You have markers all over the place. It's like, okay, what the hell do I want? It? Like, there's just so much that it sort of creates this feeling of, uh, you know, it, it gives you decision paralysis, right? Kind of think like you, you log on to Netflix for the first time in a while. It's like, okay, what's there? And you spend more time looking for something to watch than actually watching something. And some open worlds are like that too. And those ones are not fun to be in. Um, so yeah, it, it's... Uh, Like you said, Stephen, it's a double-edged sword. If it's done really well, um, it's great. If it's done very poorly, it's surely a turnoff. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I'm playing through uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla right now. And I kind of played that game for about 20 hours and I had to put it down because it was a a situation of bloat, right? Just way too many things to do, way too many points on the map that you needed to go investigate. And it gets to a point where it's like, Man, you're so overwhelmed by like this list of things you need to check off that you kind of just like stop enjoying what you're doing. Um so for for me personally with that, I had to like step away. I came back and um I found enjoyment in it for some reason, but uh I think it was just cuz the game I, I opened up new areas, opened up the story a little bit and so I got got back into it. But yeah, like open world games you you definitely hit the nail, Adam, by saying like they're incredible but they can also be absolutely terrible and i'm in the same boat
3: yeah and there's there's open world fatigue that comes too right because there's everyone wants to make open world games now and there's so many out there that it's um you know there's almost too many and and you get to a point where it's like okay i've been through so many open world games i just want something a little bit more linear a little bit better constructed like Mm -hmm. i want sort of a um like a like a story experience maybe and it, you know it gets to a point where there's just way too many of these open worlds out there and it's like okay i i need something a little bit more fresh to to play
2: so i'm going to put this one down yeah i think another thing is like as as systems become mo- more powerful and they can you know load more terrain like developers are just like let's let's make this an actual open world let's make this bigger than New York in terms of actual mm-hmm. square mileage but I think at sometimes like that's just too much if and like some of the the more enjoyable open worlds are they're a little more self-contained like um I know Steven probably would agree with this the the Saints Row games are open world but the cities in those games are are relatively small compared to Grand Theft Auto Skyrim Breath of the Wild and you you can still do everything you can in those games but but being in a much smaller arena like it helps you it helps keep you on track a little more and and like helps you focus cuz like if you can't explore too much so you can get back to the to the plot whereas like now it seems like look look at this the our our digital map is as big as Switzerland go explore it and it's mm-hmm. like how how much can you actually put into that map
3: Alright, so uh, Luke, do you want to give us uh, one of your turn-offs? turn um...
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> so this is one that I'm sure some people are like, but the lore, how do you even know what's going on in the game? I'm like, well, if they put it in a goddamn note that I need to read, then I don't care about it. So my huge turn-off with video games is just way too many notes or too many audio tapes. Um I'm not going to say that I hate them across the board because I do think that in the right context, they work, right? They provide a little more story. Maybe if it's an audio log, give you a recount of the events in this abandoned building, you know, that you're that you're exploring, what happened before you got here. Sure, that's fine. But it's when there's like, an excessive amount and/or they start burying the game's story inside of those notes. I don't care if it's like, hey, here's Joe, this is what he was doing when the outbreak happened, that's fine. But when they're saying like very specific details, you know, that's gonna suck to me because I usually will not read everything. And as someone who likes story, that's unfortunate, right? If I'm missing out on a key part to the plot or something that can actually, you know, make the, the plot uh, stand out a little bit more. So yeah, I, I just, I'm not a fan of playing audio logs and reading notes. Cause again, it just stops that momentum I have if I'm into some really fun combat and then I have to go and read some notes on my way to the next thing. It's like, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't excite me. It's boring. I'm playing a video game. I'm not reading a book. So leave that at home. Um, So yeah, I think that some games like as as games have evolved, like the introduction of audio logs and stuff have kind of replaced that. Um, So if you have an audio log developers and you're putting it in the game, please do not make us stand there and wait and listen to it before we move on. Amen. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, I can still listen to it as I progress as I move along down this hallway or corridor like there are some games still to this day like I feel like I don't know I can't think of it specifically but I swear I played a game within the last year that definitely had audio logs that I couldn't keep playing in the background while I played the game so it's like well now it's pointless because I want to move on I don't want to sit here for three minutes listening to this (laughs) bit of information and you know, that that sucks. And it sucks to the person who put the put that little story bit in there. I think there's a way of doing that better. And I think that is audio logs that just autoplay and put it in your menu that you can retrieve it later if you really want to do it. So, um, yeah, just limit the, the amount of notes and and things I need to read.
3: <laughs> so let me tell you about a game that did this perfectly. I okay. did it absolutely right. And that's God of War. Right. Mm. Okay, so you have at one point you gather, I forget, uh oh man, I can't remember his name. It's just basically the the guy that's ahead, he's a talking head, and you carry him around on your belt basically. And when you're in your boat, you're on the lake, which is sort of like the the very open area of the game, sort of like sandboxy part. And you're you're in the lake and you're kind of rowing through. He'll tell you basically stories about, you know, North myth Norse mythology and whatnot. And as you're writing, I'm like, okay, this is really interesting, but I don't want to get out of the boat because I want to hear the end of it. And if I get out, he stops talking. And that was kind of frustrating for me because I didn't just want to sit on the shore and, and wait for him to to stop telling the story. Well, here, at one point, I I think I just got tired of waiting, so I just ended up getting out of the boat. Well, here, I when I came back to the boat and got back in, he started telling his story again. And it was kind of like these, okay, as I was saying, yeah. and then he would go on and he would finish it. Like, that was awesome. I really liked that. So if there could be more things like that, like if you're listening to an audio log, right, and you move forward and then all of a sudden someone else in the game cuts it off and then it's and then it's gone, right? Because uh, there are games that have done that. Like someone else starts talking in the the world around you and it cuts off the audio log, it puts it away, it does whatever. If after that person stops talking, the audio log pops back up and you can finish it from there. Like that's, I think the way to handle it. Yeah. But then you have things like, uh, like the fallout games where like every computer has emails for you to read and like these, these different messages. And it's like, there's so many terminals and there's so many messages. It's like, there's just too much yeah. at that point. And then like the, the Skyrim games, right? There's books lying around everywhere. There's like full stories in these books. And it's like, who has time to read all of these? Um. So yeah, having having things in there, but like being more concise with what you're trying to say or having more concise stories or information kind of doled out in those, I think mm-hmm. would be much better than, than the way things are being handled now, which is just dumping so many things in there and, and missing out on great lore because you're, Tired of reading them or tired of seeing them? Absolutely, Steven, What about you?
1: I kind of, kind of hinted at it when we were talking about Ghost of Tsushima. But game developers, listen: if you're making a game that has choices built into it, the only thing a good, sh- uh, the only thing that a shoehorn is good for is putting on my shoes. Leave the she- shoehorn out of choice-based games, like don't make the choice for me. If I'm going into an area as the ghost of Tsushima and I just want to stand up and post up and be a samurai, let me do that and don't shoehorn it onto me. It kills me, kills the game. Uh perfect example of one that got this perfectly where your choices matter and it's not going to, it's not going to railroad you into a particular set of whatever events um is Mass Effect where it has, a plethora of choices for you to be able to make. And each one of those choices has its own consequences and you're not stuck to a particular path if you make that choice. Um, uh, So Mass Effect, Bowder's Gate, Neverwinter Nights, they'll have this ability for you to be able to choose your path and that path is going to have repercussions and consequences to it, but you're not going to be shoehorned all of a sudden just because you're running the main plot. You're not all of a sudden just like this, you know, carbon copy of the next player over. It's your own personality built into this built into this player so you know keep let the choices matter um don't shoehorn us down a particular path if you're allowing us to make choices in a game because it really that's that's ultimately is kind of the bread and butter for your choice based games and um if they shoehorn it that turns me off i don't like it just might as well just turn
0: it turn it off at that point Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Like to, to your point with Ghost of Tsushima, yeah, there's that argument that's like, okay, Jin is a samurai and he's, he's going outside of this honor code to do things, uh, killing, killing people without being seen, doing this stealth thing. Um, and yeah, like if it's part of the story of like, Oh, well, we wanted the player to, to start as that, you know, has a, they, they understand that Jin has this honor and he can't do them by the end. They're, they they see this like growth and it's like, okay, that's fine. But like you said, Steven, then don't make me make choices that are pushing me that way. Like just, just either make it that way, go full tilt or, but if you're giving me the options, then give me the options. Let me play it because that is you, the developer saying, hey, we want you to make this your story. We want you to play it the way you want to play it um, by giving you the freedom of choice. And so... You can't then take that back halfway through and say, well, this is kind of what we wanted to do. So really, we don't care about your choice and we didn't care about it ever. You know, like it mm-hmm. just I think you the the way you kind of articulated that is really, really perfect.
2: All right. Uh, Nishan. Um, here's one that's probably going to get some hate. Um, First person shooters.
1: The whole genre, wow! Whole genre, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I'm, just, I uh, go ahead.
2: <laughs> you, you know, um, mostly, mostly like the the Call of Duties of the world and the 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 arena battlers. are just kind of where the the main focus of the game is competition, and it's like I, I'm not good at first person shooters, anyways. So, like, and then getting thrown in with a bunch of, you know, level 50, twice, twice, what, twice honored or whatever that, that system is called in Call of Duty. Prestige. Prestige. Yeah. I've been (laughs) prestiged 14 times. And it's like, I'm, I'm not having fun here. Uh, you, I'm, I'm slow to react (laughs) and, and (laughs) just, just, yeah, every, everything combined that we talked about before before with like toxic fan bases comes into that and yeah so if if it's like a first person shooter it has to be you know like go above and beyond for me to to give it a chance like at, like with halo that's probably one of my favorite first person shooters because it has such a a rich uh, single player mode and like a lot of people only buy halo for the multiplayer i'm like Neh. I'll, you I'll leave that to the wayside if I can play the the story mm-hmm. that's
1: that's fair. Yeah. You know uh, first person shooters it's it's a it's not for everybody, right? Even I set them down for a long time because it's like i I don't know. It, it just it was just a game genre that really didn't stick with me as long as say like an RPG did or something like that. and um, and there are some that have done it right and blp entertainment brings that up as Metroid the metroid prime series right so it's one of the, it's one of those things where like you do a, and you mentioned halo too, Nishon. Halo's another one of those in the same lines as as metroid prime where like your single player campaign within the first person shooter mode is not a bad experience it's just like if you kind of take that online and you're stuck with the 50 level prestiges and the toxic communities and you know fast-paced gameplay that they've got going on in those
0: things that's uh that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I really enjoy first person cheers I would say they're definitely my favorite, one of my favorite genre, not my favorite. But that being said, I, like, I totally understand where you're coming from. Everything you said, I'm like, yeah, that's valid. And I understand why someone would have that perspective. Um, I, I've had like a different experience with first-person shooters it's like those were the kind of games that I played and bonded with with my friends and so I hold a lot of memories with FPS games from back in the day Nintendo 64 with GoldenEye my PlayStation 2 my Xbox 360 like all of those have uh some great memories in there so I, I but I will say that it's it is some once like Call of Duty came around, and once multiplayer really started coming up, that's where the focus went to those games, and that's where what you said, where the competition really comes in, the toxicity in some of those games. And, yeah, I think first-person shooters, I think they're always going to be kind of living in that multiplayer space now. We're too far along, but we do see some of those that are still trying to give love for a, a campaign. You know, those new Doom games. Um, Titanfall 2, fantastic fantastic single player campaign so you know there's still developers doing that but to kind of give those people who may want to try out an fps but don't want to go into that multiplayer and need those quick reflexes but um yeah i don't i don't i'm not really surprised by that one because I, I i understand where you're coming from nishan
3: yeah and that's i mean that's why there's so many different genres right and because there's something something for everybody uh shooters are are one that like I like, but I'm not super into. Like, it's not my go-to genre. Just like sports and racing games. Like, there, there's some fun ones in there, but they're not my go-to genres by any means. But, I mean, you know, look at sports games. Like, they're probably the most popular. Um, you know, when you think of like Madden and FIFA and and Pez and all those different sport. Like, those are like the top earning games for, uh, you know, the the companies that make them. So there's clearly an audience just like there's an audience for platformers RPGs you know what whatever you have so it's you know nice that there's options out there for different uh, different folks so uh, so let's move back to the positives here Luke give us a uh, give us one of your turn-ons all
0: right everyone get those resident sleeper emotes because <laughs> one of my biggest turn-ons is walking simulators <laughs> So I'm actually a huge sucker for walking simulators. That's kind of the name that these first-person games have been given uh, for games that are generally played from a first-person perspective, not always, and they're kind of just like a narrative experience, right? There's a lot of debate over, you know, it's obviously a video game, but a lot of people don't see these types of games as video games because it's kind of like a interactable movie, right? You're going along in this story. You're kind of interacting with objects. Um, Most of the time there's no NPCs. It's kind of just the environment and objects around you that kind of tell the story. And that is why I like it for those reasons is environmental storytelling. Because uh, you know, you can put a game in with like your top best voice actors um, and putting in some really good gameplay. Um, but if, if, if it doesn't have that storytelling element to it, or if they're really not nailing that storytelling element to it, the, the player's going to eventually get burned out and bored, right? Um, unless that's what they're looking for, is just a gameplay loop. Um, if you're looking for a story, you know, there can be so much done more than just, like I said, dialogue, expensive voice actors acting out a scene. Uh, give me a game that can tell a story tell me about characters without actually telling me you know what I mean going into an environment that says what happened in this space previously um, just by me looking at the objects around it maybe reading a couple notes to kind of describe some things Um, what remains of Edith Finch is a fantastic game amazing I mean, fantastic game and it probably in my eyes one of the best of these walking simulators that 100%. just yeah yeah it takes you into different spaces that all they're doing is environment or sto- storytelling is um telling you uh it, telling you these stories through that through o- over voice narration whatever it may be and so yeah are they a little boring <laughs> compared to something like final final fantasy 14 they don't got that action. Um, definitely there. If you're looking for that, I can understand why that's not going to be an experience that you're going to enjoy. But if you're looking for something, that's just like, you want something less passive than a movie, but you're not, you, maybe you're having some snacks and you don't want to get your controller as dirty. You know, a walking simulator is a perfect opportunity. So you can play a game, you can make choices, see a story untold while kind of being a part of it. Um, and, Yeah, I I find those very therapeutic and um, some of my favorite games of all time on my my top 20, top 10 list are walking simulators. And that just goes to show uh, what I'm prioritizing in in my gaming. So um, yeah, What Remains of Edith Finch is definitely one of my favorites. Um, That's going to be really the one I'll recommend to the audience here is go play that game if you haven't um yeah adam you've played it you can vouch that it's a really fantastic game um and then another one i recommend is gone home another short little experience i think it's only about an hour two hours and and that's the other great thing about walking sims is generally they're only a handful of hours so you can get in get out have a great story and and then move on to the next thing so that is one of my gaming turn-ons
3: if there was only two games out of like the the whole walking sim category that i would recommend Number one, what remains of Edith Finch? Number two, deliver us the moon. Um, just if you're even if you're not into walking sims, play these two games. They are both amazing, hundred percent worth your time. They're short. Uh, most case, like worst case scenario, you're looking at probably two sittings for for both of those games. So um, yeah, what remains of Edith Finch? Deliver us the moon. Go check them out. Uh, I think Deliver Us the Moon, if it hasn't already, I think it's being removed from Game Pass. So if you haven't already, looking at you, Steven, go play it.
2: Uh, All right. I think Uh, think before we pop off, I think uh, Walking Sims are really, like the horror genre is really good with Walking Sims as well. Um, Layers of Fear pretty much a walking sim and, th- yeah. and that one's creepy as hell um i think the same studio would have their hands in that the most recent uh blair witch game yep that mm-hmm. that's pretty walking sim and um i mean we pt the the playable mm-hmm. team that i mean it would have expanded if it actually turned into silent hill but that little game itself is a walking sim and that's a lot of people it's like scariest video game experience so terrifying <laughs> if, if you don't like walking sims but you like horror games i think if you fu- like those two genres work really well together
3: yeah I'd and Rick- if you want to play a walking sim horror game with friends phasmophobia there you go
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> just uh in that game in there because i love it <laughs> all right steven uh give us give us a turn on oh turn on
1: Hmm. I didn't have another one. Was it
3: hard harder for you guys to find turn-ons and turn-offs? It was kind of equal for me, I, okay. trying to
1: find... Um, I knew the easy one, which was Community. You know, Toxic Community is a big turn-off. Yep. And then the Shoehorn was very easy, and Music is a really good turn-on for me. Um, because it, it's hard for me to... Uh, put to words, I mentioned, I mentioned before, like whenever I go to get a game, it's sort of a gut reaction on, I'm going to enjoy this or I'm not going to enjoy it sort of thing. So it's tough for me to kind of quantize that down to what it is exactly that gets, gets, gets me roped into it. All right. Actually, I just, I just thought of something right now and it's mostly because I'm, I'm considering, uh, you know, having played outriders recently, uh, mass effect on the horizon right now for me um tech trees really really good tech trees your skill trees right um another one that had and, and any way that you develop your character within a game uh mostly in that rpg or action rpg sense or your action action adventure games they always have a tech tree to build your character out and stuff like that and the really good ones are always memorable um so like your your sphere grid from final fantasy 10 Uh, Outriders tech tree that they have where they're basically set. You have three different paths, very easy to manage and get through. You have the ability to reset it and go back if you want to. Um, You also have... Mass Effect that I mentioned and it's tech tree and how simple it is to use that one through whatever class you end up going through a really good tech tree, I think is something that really just kind of like you get into it and you just want to want to read through all the skills and plan your path out, even though you barely ever manage to stay on that path as you level up and use the skill points. Um, But that's, I think that's one thing within a game that can really uh, kind of solidify the whole experience up for you is being able to divvy out your points as needed and have really nice, really nice abilities or or boosts that come along from doing that. So it's, I think that's going, going to be where I go with that one. Uh, and uh, one that one that comes to mind that was kind of bad, um, and it's mentioned in chat too. Is, is Clova brings up uh, Skyrim's skills. I always got lost. I know know it's kind of simple as one, but it it was another one of those things in Skyrim that I just kind of got lost in where it was like, okay, what do do I put points into? What's really going to be useful throughout my experience as I go into these things? And that was one that was kind of tough to figure out for myself. Again, Skyrim, great game, beautiful game. Huge in my eyes whenever it came to anything. Um, But yeah, like the... um, a good, a good memorable tech tree. Just being able to develop your character the way that you want to and giving you a launch options to be able to do it, but also keeping it simple enough that it's like, let me let me kind of float through this thing a little bit.
3: So let me kind of piggyback off of yours there and, and kind of give you my next one because it's kind of the same thing, sort of, and that's menuing, which goes a lot of times hand in hand with RPGs, but I love spending time in menus. It sounds boring and ridiculous, but when you have a game that does it right, it can be so much fun. Like you mentioned, Final Fantasy X, like, you know, you build up a couple levels in that, your your sphere levels, and then you can just spend so much time in there looking at, okay, which direction do I want to go? Which abilities do I want to get now? And then you have, what, like, seven or eight different characters that you can do this with, and you can do it, like, all in one sitting, so you can spend all this time menuing. Um, as much as I uh, kind of mentioned, like, not... I know a lot of people love Final Fantasy IX. I, I'm not real huge on that game, but it does have some great menuing in it with the uh, the equipment and the way you learn abilities and things like that and kind of looking through and sorting out what, what equipment you want to put your people on because that's what's going to let you learn certain abilities, things of that nature. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake did a great job recently. You have your characters with all these different weapons that you can get, and each weapon is upgradable in the menus. It, it's kind of like its own little mini sphere grid system, uh, which was really great to to dabble with and play around with that. I spent a lot of time just trying to figure out how I wanted to build out each person's weapon. Um, and then of course you get into the materia system too. So you can sort of customize your loadouts for each character based on what materia you give them, whether it be active abilities like magic or passive things like stat boosts or, um, you know, counter attacks, things of that nature. So you can not only customize your weapons, but you can customize your characters, and it just adds a lot of menuing in there. Uh, Monster Sanctuary was another one I was really high on when it came in terms of menuing, because you spend a lot of time, again, just customizing each of your monsters, you know, with with gear, which is something you can't really do in say like a Pokemon, where it's just they level up, they learn abilities from time to time. You can or you can teach them certain abilities. This was like, you can teach them abilities. You can use skill points. Got great trees in there for, for your skill trees. There's uh, multiple skill trees for each monster. You're equipping items on them. It was just, a, it was a menuer's dream monster sanctuary. It's so good. But yeah, so I figured those two kind of went hand in hand. I figured I'd bring that up now while we were, while, while we were talking about it. So um, that was, that was my uh, next turn on. So
2: And, and, that's that on the flip that those are probably like some of my turn-offs
0: yeah me too that, yeah. <laughs> the, the that
2: make, um, rpgs inaccessible to me is just like just paralysis by choice it's like there's there's so many options and so many branching branching techniques you can turn in it's just like i i, I just want to press a and punch a bad guy all right that, that's there anything more than that is just just gravy like extra gravy i don't i don't need that but uh yeah so so i think i think that's for me that's that's the big thing in my way for getting into rpgs and like obviously i think that's a that's a big thing you have to enjoy to enjoy that genre
3: cool um yeah yeah it's it's not for everybody you know kind of like what we mentioned earlier different genres and things and RPGs, menuing oftentimes does come hand in hand with them. Uh, You know, Nishan, I know you're big into Pokemon, which I'm sure is great. You don't have to do a ton of menuing with Pokemon games, which uh, can be pretty nice. Not to say that there's no menuing involved, but it's definitely not as involved as some other some other RPGs.
2: You give a Pokemon an item and an item and that basically you can go a little bit deeper with with breeding for the different ivs and what sure. stats you want boosted but i mean for the casual player that doesn't really matter
3: yep yep now we know that's a turn off for you
2: give us another turn on um i was gonna say one but i want to shout out Chloe in chat and she brought up a great one and that is um a good character customization yeah that was a great and, one and and, you know, that's one you don't really think about, but, like, if a game gives you that option, ooh, boy, that because you can make them, like, look exactly like you. You can make them look like the stereotypical hero, uh, or you could just make them look as ridiculous as possible and, like, set their eyebrows to, to 100 and set their eye depth to negative 100 and, you know, give them, give them the purple hair and the flat butt, but the quadruple G... Uh, bosom and like just make them look as ridiculous as possible and i think like being able to to make your avatar look as cool or as ridiculous as as possible is is a good one i uh, i mentioned this game before and uh, saints row has a really good um character customization and you, you can make them look absolutely ridiculous. And then when they get loaded into the 3D cutscenes, you've got these regular looking people. And then you've got your seven foot tall, 600 pound uh, purple skin monster. And like nothing's better than that.
3: Let me give a shout out to the best character creator of all. Nintendo Mies. <laughs> 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 and it, it, it's a joke, but at the same time, like if you've seen some of the creations that people come up with, Mm-hmm. where it's the most basic character creation you can think of but the way that people take these basic tools and make something incredibly creative is amazing like if you would just pop into like uh meverse or whatever or there i think even before that existed i think i don't know people were posting things online the creations that w- they would make that would just be absolutely amazing i'm like how in the hell did they do that like it just it didn't it didn't make any sense i'm like how you there the tools don't exist to do this but yet they made it work and they made it look great um very impressed by some of the creations that people were, were able to make out of the me creators so um yeah i just wanted to shout that out
0: <laughs> yeah i want to shout out a couple character creators that also popped into my head were um the wwe games uh like oh. w2k yes. games oh my god have some yes. pretty hilarious uh character <laughs> creations. Um yes. yeah, like just go on YouTube and like search like any IP and someone's probably created a character from that IP in uh in in W2K and it, it is hilarious. And another game that I remember was doing that when it released was uh was it Soul Calibur Six? Is that the most recent one? Um yeah another really robust character creator where people could rearrange things to make characters like you can make uh you know Samus fighting kratos or something like that and just get like re- like pretty close to real 3d models so um so adam and chats here <laughs> saying ask adam about officer grumble so now it's out there well who who's this officer grumbles
3: man we played what was it the uh it was a WWE game. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was uh, on the 360, right? It was, it was a 360 yeah, WWE I'm, game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It was on 360. And the uh the the home that we lived in at the time, it was it was a it, it was a three bedroom apartment, but we had like six dudes living in there at the same time. <laughs> and we were all just entranced by this wrestling game because uh one of the one of the guys that lived with us, just massive wrestling fan. He kind of got us dragged into it. We had a lot of fun um I was you know a point in time where we actually followed wrestling and the storylines that were going on right but we were playing the game too and uh we were all making characters and steven i i kind of i don't remember yeah smackdown versus raw was it your character or was it my character i don't i don't remember who made officer grumbles
1: it was yours officer it was, grumbles mine? was yours yeah okay. because mine was mine was uh lordly king s like i was lordly king s everywhere <laughs> damn so i'd like the i had the uh uh, the king Jerry the King Lawler's entrance, and I had the crown whenever I came out. I had all that <laughs> stuff in my mind, but but Palooza had Officer Grumbles, and then w- there was another one too. Is it like Party Guy or something like pa- that? Party, yeah,
3: you- Party Guy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> hashtag <laughs> and, cool dude. <laughs>
1: uh, it was just it was so good. There's some really great, yeah, characters that we came up with, in that, and
3: we would we would get the like we would make the most ridiculous like entrances that that we could we could get out of them. Yeah, I wish I could remember a little bit more about those two characters. But yeah, I think Party Boy, he was kind of like based off of Party Boy from Jackass. Yeah. Um, so I think that was kind of the idea between <laughs> for that. But Officer Grumbles, I'm trying to remember. There was something about it that was just absolutely hysterical. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I the name remember. itself was fun. But <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it was a, it was a trip. That was a fun game. Um, so I mean I guess at this point, if you guys want, um we'll just take a, a little bit more time if if anyone just wants to throw out any more turnoffs that y'all have. So I have a couple more I could I could list off here that I found or thought of.
0: Yeah, I'll just go rapid fire with some of mine. Um there was only a couple oh the The we talked about stealth earlier uh, in a little bit about this like stealth only missions when they throw in like uh, you can do whatever you want. But this one mission, you got to do stealth. Not a fan of that. Um, And then my last one here for turnoffs is introducing a new combat mechanic near or at the final boss. So there's nothing (laughs) more annoying of like learning all these combat systems over several hours, getting to the final moment in a game. The moment where you're supposed to take everything you learned and apply it to defeat this one boss so you can complete the game. And then it's like, actually, screw all that. You got to do it this way. It's like there's so many games that do that. And it's like, why do you do this? So that's (laughs) that's a big turnoff for me.
3: All right. Yep. I've got two here that sort of go hand in hand, but not necessarily in all cases. And that's uh, long tutorials and bad pacing. Um you know, pacing in a game is very crucial. And if you get to a point where, you know, things are just where it's just not balanced in the things that you do. And I guess maybe I could give an example of a game that does it right is the Persona series. Because just when you get tired of one of the elements of the game, it gives you something different. So like the one thing about Persona games, obviously it's a JRPG, but it's also very like social like you know you develop social interactions with with the other characters in the game, and uh so you and it's sort of slice a life a little bit in a in a sense. so it it puts you in long stretches of time where it's like, okay, either you're you're dungeon crawling for a long period of time or you're doing these social things for a long period of time, and it's like just when you're at the point where it's like, okay, I've really had enough of this, boom, you're in a dungeon, you're doing the combat stuff, and then it's like, okay, like, I'm getting a little, you know, tired of this dungeon here. I'm ready to go back. And then it's like, okay, here you are. Like, here's your, your social stuff. And the pacing between those two and the way that it's balanced is done just so well. But there are games out there that don't do it well. They have these extremely long tutorials. Um, what is it? Uh, Twilight Princess is one that comes to mind. One of the, the worst cases of tutorial syndrome that, that exists in gaming. And I think Skyward Sword is... I never played Skyward Sword, but I think it kind of is the same in the sense that it's just really long, terrible, hand-holdy tutorials at the the beginning of the game. Those are two things I think kind of go hand-in-hand. The last thing I want to mention for turnoffs is enemy level scaling. So in RPGs, right, I like to level grind to give myself an edge in, in games. But when you have games where... I spend all this time level grinding just for the enemies to be at the same level as me. It's like, what's the point? Like I'm getting stronger, but so are the enemies. Like now all that's happening is just the numbers are getting bigger. That's literally the only thing that happens. It makes the entire leveling process feel completely moot. And it drives me nuts. You know, if you want to, if you want to add that in as like a challenge option, make it an option. Don't make it part of the game. Don't make it mandatory. It drives me nuts. I can't stand it. Um, A a game that did scaling really, really well was Monster Sanctuary. I brought this up a little bit earlier. Great game. If you haven't played it, Monster Sanctuary is an awesome game. It's an indie game. A couple episodes back, a couple months ago, I actually did an interview with the developer of that game. It was an awesome episode. Please go back and listen to that. It was a lot of fun. He was a great guest. Um, I can't say enough how much I love Monster Sanctuary. But they did it in a way that the level scaling exists in that game, but it's uh it's based on your overall exploration. So it's it's like Pokemon meets Metroidvania. So if you think about the map of a Metroidvania and the way you explore and you get abilities to explore different areas like something you couldn't get to before and now you can because you have this traversal ability. but the game the the scaling is based on, map completion so when you get to a new area the level of those enemies is going to be based on how much map you've uncovered so it gives you a little bit of freedom in the way you explore things are a little bit more open than traditional rpgs or Metroidvania's. the way you go to tackle it so in one playthrough i could go one direction and the enemies are going to be a little bit weaker because i'm early on or in another playthrough maybe i go the other direction and i come back to that place later on and the enemies are going to be stronger than what I came to them before in the original playthrough. So I think that's really well done. Most games aren't like that. Most of them will just scale the enemies based on your level, and it drives me crazy. So,
0: no, That's totally a valid one. One I, I totally forgot of, but I'm totally there with you. We got a couple from chat. Vincent McHale, unmanageable cameras.
1: Tell me about it. Ooh, God, when you can't move one, yeah. it to the way that you want it to. <laughs> oh my gosh uh clo brings up a good crafting system amen a good crafting I'm, system i'm is guessing like, that's for a turn on yeah that'd be my guess too <laughs> these good
0: crafting um, systems i just hate
1: them.
3: curse them <laughs> just, <laughs> no good. god damn it They're developer no how they <laughs> how dare the they be so efficient too good I, unplayable <laughs> uh nishan do you have any other
2: turn offs uh I didn't have too many turnoffs, those were hard for me. Uh but okay. mm-hmm. the last thing I didn't mention and is like a flip to one of my turn ons is so a turn off is a game that prioritizes graphics over their gameplay. And I mean there's no specific game. It's usually right around when a next gen console comes out is mm-hmm. when like and developers don't know how to use the system, but they're just like I I can mm-hmm. do all this stuff. I think a good example might be um Cyberpunk is they, they went for this. Look how expansive our game is. Look how much we can put in here. And, and they released a broken game because they were more worried about it looking amazing than playing. And then, and then some games are just like, if that if you play it on PC, it's like, Oh, we're going to melt your graphics card. That's how like intense our graphics are. It's like, uh, I mean, cool. But what what's the point of melting my graphics card? If I can't play the game, if it's, if it's boring or not fun, like it looks great, but I mean, I'm not going to spend more than 30 minutes in here looking at a, a beautifully rendered mountain. If it's like boring.
3: That's fair. All right. Um. Anyone got any, any additional turn ons they want to, they want to mention?
0: Nope.
3: All right. I'll just, uh just go through for me, like just, kind of going back to how Nishan doesn't like shooters, just just want to shout out genres, like RPGs, obviously, I like. Roguelike games, I love me some some roguelikes. And then monster training games, again, Monster Sanctuary, fantastic game. Uh, And then Pokemon games, and even, to an extent, Persona games are kind of like monster training games. Or or I guess the Shin Shin Megami Tensei series is essentially like monster training, so um yeah those are all genres I think are really great so I just wanted to and anytime I see one of those I'm instantly like oh okay I'm interested and maybe it's not a game I'll get but it at least piques my interest enough to make me want to take a look watch trailers watch gameplay whatever uh sometimes they look great and I get them like like uh loop hero and then other times you know maybe not so interested and I just kind of leave them be All right, uh, so Luke, I'm going to toss it back over to you to start uh, doing the, the, the wrap-up then. If, all right. If we don't have anything else to add to the turn-ons or turn-offs. Uh, nope.
0: One thing I will add, turn-on, you got like a dope-ass synthwave aesthetic. I'm automatically interested. <laughs> so just throw that nice. in the game and I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, moving on. So yeah, let's wrap up or gear towards wrapping up the show with just catching you up on what we've been playing recently. So I'm going to turn it over to Steven first, because Steven, you weren't here last week and I want to know what you've been playing recently.
1: Ah, uh, not much new. You know, I do my usual final fantasy 14 thing. I do. I have found out um, of all the content that I've done so far in final fantasy 14. I finally found one that has cursed me. That's the most recent diamond weapon uh, extreme trial. I am cursed. I am absolutely cursing this. I've cleared multiple things multiple times, but this fight for some reason just is absolutely destroying me. And 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 as Chloe mentions, because she's been in the parties with me, it, it just brings a shudder to my spine. I don't know how to break the. I don't know how to break the curse. I don't know if it'll ever be broken. But that one right now is giving me a lot of heck. Um, it's really hecking me. Uh, and then No Man's Sky Expeditions. I'm kind of putting the bow on that. I've got three more tasks to complete. They're kind of grindy. So it's going to be, um, uh, probably another like week or two before I complete that and see what the ultimate grand prize is going to be. Uh, but I'm pretty excited about that. But, uh, other than that, I've honestly been watching more stuff at this point than I've been gaming because I, I canceled Paramount Plus and picked up HBO Max. So I've been, um, messing around with that app and getting caught up on things that people have watched, you know, month or two ago. I'm finally getting into it and and watching more than playing, I guess you could say a little bit.
0: Okay, well, that's awesome. Anything specifically you've been watching you want to shout out real quick? Oh, how about
1: that Snyder's cut of the Justice League, like absolute masterpiece of a movie and WB should be ashamed of themselves for what they put out in theaters it is a night and day difference the the two movies the theatrical versus the Snyder cut and if we would have been given Snyder cut in the first place we'd be having a way different conversation than, about the DC universe than what we're having right now so shame on you WB and well done Zach Snyder on that masterpiece of a movie that you brought out um dr who's on there so I've started doing that and then today at time of recording i watched godzilla versus kong and that movie was everything i expected to be with nice little surprises that were added in about and and the one the one really cool thing and they they kind of kick off the whole movie with it is they're leaning hard into the hollow earth theory or hypothesis which is like one of my all-time favorite conspiracy theories that's out there if you haven't gotten a chance to look into it it's wild and it's amazing and there's some great stories behind it and godzilla versus kong leans into it uh for kind of their background on where these titans come from and it's fantastic um but it was a ton of fun i was rooting for kong the whole way through it and he did not disappoint very smart boy um and was very happy with his portrayal i would have liked to see him win a little bit more in the rounds with Godzilla, but i understand godzilla is the crowd favorite so they had to they had to appease the masses a little bit but uh fantastic movie and um godzilla is well. king
3: but, of monsters that's just yeah that's but just uh, king that's kong's just king kong he's smart facts. boy smart boy godzilla Godz- all day every day zilla baby it's just godzilla gang <laughs> just rise up <laughs> That can shoot freaking laser beams from his mouth. <laughs> Godzilla gang. Kong has opposable thumbs, though. So.
2: Exactly. I mean, he <laughs> walks, Godzilla walks Knight, up right. Opposable Godzilla Godzilla thumbs. we don't
1: know. Speaks in sign language.
3: <laughs> Smart
0: boy. All right? how about you, Adam?
3: Uh, so, yeah, I've been playing more more Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, it it kind of got its hooks back in me, which... I'm actually quite, quite pleased with, um, I've been doing more than just MSQ, like the main story quest line now, um, which I've found very enjoyable. Uh, I I mean, the main story quest line was really great. The new dungeon was really great, but I've been getting into some additional content. I finally picked up, uh, you know, a non-combat class in Fisher, which has been pretty fun. Uh, so the fishing has been a good time. Uh, I unlocked blue mage which i had avoided because it's not it's not a party viable class like you just you literally can't get into parties with it it's uh because it's i guess sort of broken so you can't take it's it into just extra parties. content really yeah yeah it's yeah it's just extra content but i've had a lot of fun with that um just going around collecting all the the enemy spells that you can get uh i have a pretty good lineup now but my my blue magic spell book is still pretty empty so I'm I'm looking forward to collecting more of that, um, which the, uh, the the community's been really helpful in pointing me in the right direction on which spells I want to prioritize. Uh, Vincent and Agu, uh, they they helped me sort of power level my blue mage to get it to a uh, uh, to to get it to the the highest level you can get, which is now making it possible to go get these spells a little bit easier now. Some really cool ones out there. Blue mage is great. I wish it could be used in a party. They could just figure out a way to balance it and make it party viable would be so good. Um, and that's pretty much it. I will say, as far as like Steven mentioned watching more than playing, I think that's that's pretty uh pretty accurate for me as well at the moment, just because there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of drought in gaming and you know and but that's about to change next week. We're getting Pokemon snap we're getting returnal. and I really really want to mention how excited I am for returnal. Uh, i i think some streamers have a have a preview of the game that they're able to do they're only allowed to play for 40 to 45 minutes but uh in the amount of time that i caught of it oh my gosh i am so excited Dude, it for the so game good. it it takes the like roguelike elements that i'm really into and it takes um it goes like in this weird like this like sci-fi sort of environment aesthetic that they have with it the 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 lore it's basically like a triple a roguelike game which um it just looks so good i can't wait for it i'm so excited definitely
0: yeah i uh if you haven't if you're kind of been on the fence with returnal and you're okay with kind of like seeing more about the game to to for it to sell it to you but i would definitely recommend checking out the preview coverage because um i Kind of went on like a media blackout on Returnal of just not really looking at anything uh, if I could avoid it. And these previews popped. And I was like, man, I kind of I kind of think the game like is going to be my cup of tea. I think I'll just go for it. But I'm like, you know what? Let's watch these preview cover, coverage anyways. And watching some of the gameplay sequences and um, some of these bullet hell scenarios of uh, adding in platforming to try and avoid uh projectiles and everything like that while you're also like it just looks like it is triple a gameplay experience so with with that like you said that sci-fi kind of story so man i'm so excited for next week i guess and it's gonna be here
3: yeah yep day day one for me for sure um yeah it was kind of like the same as you i had no no real interest in watching the 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 preview coverage for it but i was watching a streamer and um you know, it's just a streamer that I enjoy watching. And then he just sort of transitioned into it. And um, and then, you know, it was just there. And then I'm like, oh. And then it just, as he kept playing, I just got more interested and interested. And it's like, I'm like, must look away. Don't want to spoil. <laughs> but it, like, it, it, there really was no spoilers in there. And uh, it just, it looks so good. It's, it's going to be a great game. Definitely. All right. How about you, Nishan?
2: Um... I, I dipped my toes into a couple demos of games this this week. I uh, wasn't sure I wanted to get them, but they looked interesting. Um, the first one is Sea of Solitude. Uh, it, it came out on like most systems in 2019, but just came over to switch recently. and it you you play like this little monster girl who wakes up stranded in the middle of the ocean. And eventually, she finds like a, a flooded city, and she has to uh, make her way through the city while while avoiding these these giant sea creatures. And uh, you know, it, it it was pretty fun. I like the mechanics of the game. It it seems like one of those it, uh, it's an indie-ish game, so uh, the story is going to be a little bit more depressing than lighthearted. It looks like as we go forward, but. You know it looks great, and and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna drop the uh, I think it's like 19 bucks, 19.99 to get the full game. So Sea of Solitude, and then uh, we were talking about this game last week, uh, Chris Tales, the mm. that that time based RPG um, from the Indie Showcase. Uh, downloaded that today and played through the demo, and. Uh, we, guys i I, I like this rpg yeah i like it it's it's the 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 animation style on it is is amazing it reminds me of the show fosters home for imaginary friends it's kind of like abstract ish and kind of layered a little bit the character designs are pretty cool the the time-based mechanics that they introduced in the demo is really cool you you play this this girl uh Chris Bell I I want to remember her name and she discovers like time powers and she can see into the past into the future and into the present all at once and then you you make decisions based on on like what what the future or the past looks like and yeah I'm really enjoying it so far um doesn't come out till July so uh, I'm wondering how much they're going to change in that time span but yeah this is this is one I'm excited for this might be a a day one download for me yeah,
3: That's it's really it. cool. I played that demo on Steam uh sometime last year I think it was it was around like the summer games fest thing you know whatever mm. whatever was going on and there was a bunch of demos that went up and I tried that one and I really liked it now having the uh you know having that simultaneous view of past present and future all on screen all the time was a little uh disorienting at times but Uh, It's a pretty cool feature that they have in there. So yeah, it's definitely one that's
2: on my radar. And I went back and watched the trailer for it after playing, and it looks like from the trailer, it looks like that's not going to be consistent on the screen. It looks like it was just kind of to show it off for the demo. But the trailer, when it showed like later in game, it didn't look like that. That past, present, future was on there all the time. So it might just be an ability you you unlock at certain points, but again, it's what three months away at this point. How how far is July? I can't count. <laughs> A
0: month or two months, essentially. July, I guess. July. Yeah, yeah may are
2: June.
3: You, are you thinking June? Uh, so we're
0: we're almost I at the, we're almost into so we May. Still have,
3: we still have to get through May, June, and then yeah, I guess yeah. depending month. on when it comes out in July, whether yeah. it's beginning or end, I suppose.
2: But yeah, and then just my regular playthroughs of Breath of the Wild on stream and doing some Pokemon Sword. So just just the old familiars for me.
0: Nice. Awesome. Yeah, I don't really have too much new to report uh, from last week. I'm still playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm at, like, power level 210. So I've, like, just put in, in work. I'm almost at 100 hours, I think. And then I also have been playing a little bit more of It Takes Two with Meg and last time I talked about this game we had just kind of completed one kind of world and now we are into I think two maybe three worlds from that now so we're like fourth world not really sure how long the game is but I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Compared to like what I've seen in the trailers, like there's so much more to see, and I just am like I've already seen so much. But um, you, if anyone is like thinking about this game, if it goes on sale, if that's what you're waiting for, like scoop it up when it goes on scale. I definitely think it's worth the cost that it's at now because it is a reduced price. It's not a full sixty dollar game. I think for you. Americans. It's like 45 bucks or 40 bucks bucks or something like that. Yeah. So it's a little bit on the budget side and it's still this really incredible experience. And again, don't have anyone to play with, with you, uh, or you don't have someone that has the game. It gives you a free copy of the game to give to your friend. So you really, you just need your friend to commit to playing video games with you and you're, you're ready to go. So this game is really fun. I was blown away. Uh, I don't want to like talk about it too much because I'm going to try and convince Megan to do a review episode with me because this game, I'm saying it right now, is going to be in game of the year talks uh, by the end of the year for sure. I don't I don't think it will get any sort of like it will get awards for maybe like a multiplayer experience, but that's exactly why it's not going to like sweep the awards or anything is because I think there is still a little bit of a barrier to entry to those people that really just like to play games by them, themselves and no one else but yeah like if 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 any of y'all are slightly interested just go for it because i guarantee it's going to be a good time so um and then i also picked up golf story a game that yes yeah love game, that game yeah it's i mean I've, I've heard you talk about it uh before on the show i have also heard lots of great things about it and i was like you know what Now's the time we got sports story coming out some point and I need to play this game because I was kind of like, I've been also playing a lot of stardew lately and I was kind of just looking for like a little 16 bit kind of pixel game with some RPG elements. And I'm I'm like, you know what? This game looks perfect. And I haven't done a lot in it. I've only played about an hour and I've done mostly just talking with people. And that's exactly what I wanted, (laughs) right? Like the golf stuff and the golf, mechanic of it is fine but like it's really fun kind of seeing these different characters that are part of the the golf course you're at and stuff and uh, i'm interested in seeing where it goes and i'm really interested in seeing where sports story will go because if they're taking that same rpg element of the game into sports story while also giving you just more selections of sports to play i mean that sounds like a slam dunk to me so yeah yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm hopefully going to see it to the end. It's it, I picked it up on Switch, so it's a great game that I can play, you know, in the evenings or, you know, in bed or something like that, so.
3: Yeah, you're making me want to do a second playthrough, because I never I never actually finished the game. Uh, I got very close to the end, and then, I don't know, I think I started playing. I might have got distracted by Stardew, actually, and I put it down before I finished it, and now I'm thinking, like, well, maybe I should go back and just start from the beginning, so I... I you know, re-pick up all the story beats. Cause I do remember it being like a very fun story. There's, was, there's was some good humor in it. And so I kind of, yeah, I kind of want to give it a, a, another playthrough, finish it up before sports story comes out. Yeah. It was really fun. Definitely. Glad, glad you picked that up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think I used like some, what do you call those things? Like gold coins or something on the e-shop, mm-hmm. Nintendo points or something like that. And so it was free. <laughs> Cause I had like, a, nice. I have a bunch That's bank. Awesome. So I'm like, sure, let's get this game. All right. Now let's wrap up the show with our last segment, which is question of the week. So it was, it worked out because it, it we actually posed a question that relates to the episode that we just did. So we asked you guys, what are your gaming turn on and turn offs? course twitch chat as we're live recording this has been throwing out some great recommendations thank you to everyone who's been doing that um but yeah we wanted to know from you guys so we had a couple people write in and the first is maryland gamer says i'd say the biggest turn-on would be a free world where i can do whatever i want um while the biggest no-go is a game where you do the same kinds of things for the whole game in repeat looking at you assassin's creed so fair criticism. Oh, Assassin's Creed 1. Sorry, correction. Um, all right. Thank you, Marilyn, for submitting that quest- or response to the question. And then next we have uh, BLP Entertainment. I think the biggest thing for me is allowing me to play. I like to experiment with what I can do to solve puzzles. Breath of the Wild did this in spades from combat to puzzle solving. It doesn't have a defined one way to solve a challenge. As for turnoffs, the biggest one is explaining too much. If gameplay is constantly being stopped to explain a mechanic or objective, I immediately start glazing over. I lose interest when ex- ex- uh, exposition is spoon fed to us rather than a steady drip through gameplay. Give me some information while I explore. Don't stop me every five minutes for an explanation uh, of the history of the world I'm trying to explore. Tell it to me in more creative ways. Just a fantastic, well-detailed response, uh, BLP. So thank you so much for sharing that. And yeah, I uh, I just want to talk about the Breath of the wall point real quick. Uh, <laughs> I definitely... Anytime there was one of those uh, motion-controlled little labyrinth puzzles with the ball, I would just try to like <laughs> fling my switch around to just get the ball to land and hopefully fling like because it's just like turns oh. out
3: that's a viable strategy. And, and yeah, it, it
0: turns it turns out it works. So that's exactly a given. <laughs> many ways to to come up with a solution, even if it wasn't the intended way from the developer. So thank you, uh, Marilyn um, and BLP for submitting your responses to question of the week now if we you're listening... did of
3: course have many responses in chat during of course, this too yeah. so we were, we were kind of doing question of the week throughout the show exactly yeah so thank you for the participation everybody
0: absolutely so what we wanted to ask you this week is it's actually coming from the the question man himself nishan who handles all our questions of the week. Of course, if you want to participate, you can head over to our Discord, invite.gg slash fun. Nishan posts the question there every single week. You can respond, and then we will read your responses out on the next week's episode. So the new question that Nishan's going to ask you on the Discord server is, what video game franchise would you like to see get the movie treatment? So everyone knows video game movies are notoriously bad but when we look at video game movies there's some pretty stellar ips that you know production companies have taken a shot at trying to to adapt into a screenplay and something people watch as opposed to play so what franchise or maybe a specific game would you like to see be turned into a movie whether it is a hollywood blockbuster film or maybe even like a netflix series or a, a limited series run or an anime you know get creative with your responses um, but send them in to invite.gg slash games are fun on the question of the week channel and we'll read them next week. Um, all right. So that's going to wrap it up for episode number 122 of the games are fun podcast. Uh, Nishon, where can people keep up with what you're doing?
2: Uh, people can find me at twitch.tv slash Nishan. Uh, I stream, I'm trying to stream five days a week now that I'm a little slower at work, uh, usually a lot of Nintendo content. Um, if and if you just want to, yeah, come hang out. Pretty inclusive community I have over there, and you can follow me on Twitter at me underscore underscore Sean. Perfect,
0: Nishan. Thank you again for for coming on the episode this week. It's been great to have you back to back. And uh, lordly, if you're in the Twitch chat, he threw Nishan's Twitch channel in the in the chat there so go give nishan some love go follow him twitch.tv slash nishan he he deserves the support over there so thanks again nishan it's been great to to have you on the episode here
2: yeah no thanks for having me it's been a real pleasure awesome
0: adam how about you where can people keep up with you
2: yeah
3: you can find me on uh twitter instagram and twitch at adampalooza85 again uh just to kind of I guess re-mention it from the from the top of the show. This Sunday at about 1.30 PM Eastern. Uh, I'll be doing a stream where I compare uh this uh weird candy known as wine gums against uh gummy bears and juju fruits and jelly beans and such. And then I'm gonna get into we're gonna take that lighthearted, uh fun candy comparison into the uh the the deep dark world of Bloodborne for a new fresh playthrough of that. So um, so, yeah, that should be interesting.
0: Perfect. I'm looking forward to it. It's like Halloween this Sunday. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. How about you, Steven?
1: Uh, at, <clears throat> as always, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter and Instagram at Lordly S uh, stream Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time till about 1 p.m. And then uh, sometimes I tweet things. I don't know about social media. In there, though <laughs> I think I need a manager. I don't. What do you
3: tweet? What do you even tweet it's about? Tough. That's what I'm trying. It is. Yeah. It, yeah. Some Let's, people are talk. so creative. Like I look at this and I'm like, you know, I see these tweets. And I'm like, man, these people are so like they're so social media conscious. Like they know they know what stuff is going to hit. Like they they just hit the right the right notes. I'm like, this is brilliant. Like why can't I be this uh, this witty on social media? <laughs>
1: Right. Like, my, what was my last, my last tweet wasn't even that great. I was like, oh, since, since I beat all this stuff from 5.5, we're just going to fa-
0: farm mounts now, guys. It's just like, what do I even talk about? I have no idea. But I, I tweet sometimes. you sometimes. Well, go. Go, go check out Steven sometimes tweets <laughs> over on Twitter. <laughs> all right. Uh, you can follow me, uh, on Twitter at LukeAllenarm as well as Instagram at LukeAllenarm and then twitch.tv slash Luke the Llama. We're gonna be streaming probably tomorrow night. Gonna finish off Undertale. And which is a lot of fun. I I I gotta say it's been good. Weird game though. Man is it a weird game. Like I there's moments where I'm laughing because it's written so well. And then there's other times where I'm like what? <laughs> Why is this conversation with this person important? Um, but yeah, fun game. Of course, follow the show on Twitter at games are fun pod as well as Instagram at games are fun pod. Um, make sure to give us that follow over on twitch.tv slash games are fun podcast so that you can know when we're going to go live next on our next live stream. And make sure you join our discord server where we're having conversations over there on the daily. We're talking about movies. We're talking about video games, TV shows, food, music. I mean, pretty much anything. So if you just want a awesome community to chat with, head over to our discord and join that. Um, you can also email us at the email address, contact at games are fun But I don't even think I, uh, I don't even know the last time I got an email, but I still plug it anyways. Uh, All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on episode 122, Twitch chat. We're going to hang with you for the post chat here for a little bit. But audio listeners, thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you all on episode number 123.